Welcome to Season 4 of Fred Talks. We are pleased to announce that the first two episodes of this season will cover a series of discussions about history of education programs specific to the Jack Corps. I'm joined by Mr. Fred Bork, Regimental Historian and Archivist for the Judge Advocate General's Corps and the Professor of Legal History and Leadership at Chijaglix. I'm Sergeant First Class Trey Engel, NCOIC of the Center in Law and Military Operations, or CLAMO, and I'm joined with Captain Mitchell McCulley, Marine Corps Representative to CLAMO. Mr. Bork, thank you for sitting down with me today to discuss the history of the LLM program in the JAG Corps. Can you please provide us some background on the LLM program? Sure. Uh, well, Sergeant uh, Angle, uh, thanks again, and Captain McCulley, uh, welcome to another edition. And I w- do want to talk about the Masters of Laws or Master of Military Law that is awarded by the Judge Advocate General's School. I think almost everyone listening to this podcast knows or should know that we are unique as an educational institution. We are the only military law school in the U.S. Armed Forces that awards a degree. Obviously, the Air Force JAG School in Montgomery, Alabama, and the Naval Justice School up in Newport, Rhode Island. They have legal education and training, but we're the only ones who award an LLM. And and the obvious reason is we're the only ones with a year-long advanced or graduate course, only basic courses at those other institutions. So the question then is, well, how come you guys in the Army have an LLM? And it's a very interesting story. It took a long time, but we'll do a quick rundown of how it happened and why it exists. So for many years in all of the JAG course, education was very much on the job, OJT. Starting in World War II, though, the Army said, uh, we're expanding too fast, too many lawyers, we just can't do on the job, we have to open a school. And so we opened a school at the University of Michigan and ran really a basic course, although we did have an officer candidate school there from 1942 to 1946. When the Korean War started in 1950, we reopened the Judge Advocate General School and In 1951, it moved down to Charlottesville to be on the grounds of the University of Virginia. And then the next major development was the idea was that we needed something more than a basic course. We needed a graduate course, which at first we called an advanced course. And the purpose of that course was to teach judge advocates how to be staff judge advocates. Well, almost immediately when we got to the University of Virginia, the commandant, Colonel Ted Decker, who later became the Judge Advocate General, and he was TJAG from 61 to 63, Decker said, hey, if we're here at UVA and we're running this academic year-long course, it would be cool if we could get, first of all, American Bar Association accreditation, and secondly, how about a master's? Because we're at a university, We want the prestige of being at a university. Let's get ABA accreditation and let's get a master's. So as early as 1956, the Army JAG Corps prepared legislation to go into Congress to give the commandant at the JAG school authority to award an LLM. That legislation went nowhere. But what did happen at about the same time was we got, it's not actually accreditation, 
I think it's recognition is the actual term from the American Bar Association for our year-long program. And we, we wanted that anyway because it gave us some credibility in legal education. But those folks running the JAG Corps in the 50s and the 60s, I think, also recognized that if you had ABA recognition, that's a half step to getting a degree. Why a degree? I think a couple of factors. First of all, if you're going to be here for a whole academic year, you ought to get some sort of a degree. And secondly, I think there was a recognition uh, that it might be a way to really retain judge advocates. If you come here for the career course, now as graduate course, uh, you're going to get a two-year active duty service obligation. But if you get an LLM, pretty unique for most attorneys who usually stop after they get their Juris Doctor. That might be something that would really, really help the JAG Corps. So in the early 1970s, the two commandants who were here, chiefly Colonel John J. Douglas. Douglas had a good relationship with the president of UVA, uh, President Shannon, and he sat down and talked with Shannon about was there some way to maybe use our course to dovetail or get into getting an LLM awarded by UVA. And I think there were some serious discussions about that, but that never happened. And so what really then changed everything was in 1980, the Defense Intelligence School went to Congress and got the authority to award a graduate degree in strategic intelligence. So all of a sudden, the JAG Corps said, hey, if DIS can do this, if DIS can go to Congress and get a congressional statute that says you can award a master's in strategic intelligence, we can get an LLM. And that's exactly what happened. In 1986, Colonel, then Lieutenant Colonel Dan Taylor, and then Lieutenant Colonel Dave Graham began to work on a packet to get an LLM. They went through uh, the Army General Council. They got approval. They went to the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Military Manpower and Personnel, got approval. And then the really next big step was in order for any federal agency to get degree granting approval, you got to have authority from the Secretary of Education. Secretary of Education says yes, then you can go to Congress. Secretary of Education says no, you don't go anymore. And so uh, Colonel Rice, who was the commandant at the time, and Judge uh, Chief Judge Robinson Everett appeared before the Education Department's National Advisory Committee on Accreditation and Institutional Eligibility. They gave a pitch, YT JAXA, the Judge Advocate General School should be given this opportunity to present award an LLM, and the Accreditation Review Committee voted 15 to 0 in favor of the LLM proposal. Secretary of Education William Bennett concurred in March of 87. The next step was to introduce the legislation into the House and Senate. That happened, and on the 3rd of December 1987, Congress enacted public law 100-180, which gave the TJAGS a commandant the authority to award the LLM. And based on the curriculum that had already been recognized as deserving of a master's degree by the ABA. 
So the very first judge advocate to get the LLM uh, was a member of the 36th graduate class who graduated in May of 1988, and that was then Captain Elise Santer. And she got the first LLM because she graduated first in the class, and so she's the first to walk across the stage. She's the first to get the LLM. And we actually have Elise's uh, LLM in our archives here. She donated it as a valuable historical artifact. So today... Every single successful graduate of the graduate course gets the LLM. It is unique because until the Air Force or the Navy comes up with a graduate program, they're probably not going to be able to get an LLM. But for us, I think it, it is unique. Uh, not many practicing attorneys have the time or the money to go get an LLM, and it's unique because it's an LLM in military law. Since that time, Obviously, hundreds of Marines, airmen, sailors, Coasties have also gotten LLMs. And that's it. Thank you for providing the insight on the LLM program, and that was interesting. I appreciate it. Okay, any questions? Uh, I do have one question, sir. Since the inception in 1987 of the LLM program, can you discuss the changes to the LLM program at TJAGLIX? Well, that's probably deserving of another Fred talk. But it's certainly true that the original curriculum has changed. I think the easiest answer would be that in the 80s, we were really heavy on criminal law, military justice. That was really our bread and butter because we tried so many cases. I think the big change in the curriculum has to be that with the emergence of operational law, which is really now our reason for existing, the curriculum has changed to provide judge advocates what they need to help commanders achieve mission success. So back in the day, it was military justice, trying courts martial, but I think now national security, really important, and contract and fiscal law. I mean, probably what commanders get most worried about these days on military operations is, can I legally spend this money to do this? Uh, so that's, I think, probably how the curriculum has changed. But it's a really good question, but we can't do it in this Fred Talk. So thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, I know Clamo was pleased to hear that national security law is the reason for existing for the JAG Corps now. So we'll, we'll take that one as a win, sir. All right, you win. <laughs> so uh, please stay tuned for more episodes of Fred Talks. Thank you. Bye. The views expressed or implied on this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of the United States Army JAG Corps or other organizations with which the participants are associated or by whom they are employed.